0: Hello and welcome to some Dervs talk about games. I'm your co-host Mango, and I am your co-host Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about pictures of Spider-Man. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you to tell the folks at home what it is we do on this <laughs> podcast? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, on this podcast, we talk about games, but we also talk about movies because these fucking Marvel movies, Disney, Disney owns Disney owns my soul. They send me checks. It's the only way I can live. So please <laughs> help. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> i um, wish we got paid for this yeah you're yeah, right <laughs> i'm about to give a very glowing review to this movie too i hope like some like internet you like shouty man is like see see he admits it disney pays him for good reviews of spider-man that would be i would be so honored please internet shouty people please feature me
0: well, yeah, well, any, any internet shoddy person would have to notice this first, but it, it sounds like you. <laughs> we, we are, of course, talking about Spider Man Far From Home. Um, uh, buddy, what were your initial impressions of the movie? You kind of gave them, but did you want to add anything?
1: So, my initial impression of this movie is that it's great and I loved it. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, um, this, this is the first thing that came to my mind when that movie was over, which was, wow. I forgot how good these movies can be because I, I, I kind of had realized that I guess I've been in a little bit of like a Marvel movie slog. Like they're fine, but none of them really like hit me where I live in a way. The last time that that, that has probably happened was Black Panther in early 2018, right? So a year and a half ago. And since then we've had infinity war, we've had Ant-Man and the Wasp, we've had Captain Marvel and now end game. And it's just like, you know, after, after all of those movies, which are fine, but I have problems with, and they never, you know, like, it's always, it's like, it's, it's always like a near miss in, in a certain way. Like, it never, like, hits me, like, dead center. And this is a movie that really did, right? Like, it really hit dead center, and I loved it. And I was really surprised at how much I loved it because I wasn't really enthused by the marketing. But in a way, I, I like—I almost kind of appreciate that Marvel sort of. This—we'll this probably end up talking about this stuff uh, later in spoilers, so I won't get—I won't get too far into it. But bottom line is, this movie is great. It's not better than Spider Verse. It's probably you know qualitatively around that Spider Man Two level you know, of just, like, a really amazing, a really solid movie. Obviously, it doesn't have the same kind of, like, innovation points, right? If we were talking about how iconic I think Spider-Man 2 is. Uh, but it's very good. It's very... It uh, is it is so essential Spider-Man. This is such a, like, a purely straightforward and essential Spider-Man story. Um, the, and all of the stuff in it just felt so true to form, that I fucking loved it. I just like I would I would goo for cocoa puffs or whatever.
0: Yeah. Well, I I thought it was solid. I didn't think it was terribly exceptional. I thought it was like good solid B plus A minus material, but I I think this is this is kind of typical for you and me like this felt very kind of um I don't want to call it rote cuz it wasn't that bad, but it felt Yeah,
1: I knew this was this yeah. was going
0: to be the focal point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, as, as is usual, I, I like things that are a little bit different. And this, this this, like you said, it's a very kind of solidly Spider-Man story that was very typical. Um, also kind of a typical coming-of-age story. And it was fine. I just didn't, it didn't, it didn't, uh, it didn't light a spark in me, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, so, you know, I definitely recommend seeing it, but I my socks weren't blown off by it. Okay, so we should probably head
1: into the spoilers section. Uh, I would absolutely recommend this for people to go watch. Um, Especially because, like, apparently, like, the summer has been kind of a drag. Like, not a lot of stuff has been getting a lot of traction. Like, it was a surprise to me that Toy Story 4 came out and, like, to extremely little fanfare. I've heard, like, nobody talk about this movie. But, um... (coughs) um, But, uh... Yeah, it'll tide you over until Hobbs and Shaw yeah i I can't wait for hobbs and shaw uh i can't wait for lion king the third live action disney remake this
0: year when somebody said that i was like this is fucking disgusting So, so so something i am excited for halfway into august and i just found out about it before you know in the previews for home or from far from home is uh is blinded by the light did you see an ad for that buddy
1: no, I skipped all the trailers. I was very late
0: to the theater. Okay. It's it's a movie about, um, uh, I think it's a Pakistani person in England um, coming to terms oh, with... Oh, the Bruce
1: Springsteen. But it's Bruce I Springsteen, exa- right? Yeah, yeah. I know exactly the we're, movie we're, that you're talking about. We're, we're both I Jersey boys.
0: Trailer, but... I don't know how important Bruce yeah. is to you, but Bruce is very important to me, so I'm super excited to see that movie. You know, the funny thing is, I mean, I like, I like the Bruce, but I also know
1: how much bruce is important to you and sometimes like we had an argument recently where i just needed a quick example of something and i used bruce springsteen just because i knew you liked him so i want you to oh we were talking about <laughs> yeah we were talking about was something i can't mention on the cast but um... <laughs> we were talking about it and i was like oh you know like if bruce springsteen wants to like get up in my face about it um, cause for some reason I just, it was the, it was the easy, uh, it was the easy example. But yeah, I did, I did hear, I've followed a little bit of this movie's, uh, uh, development. And I, um, also, I think it, I think it's cool. Yeah. It's cause it's directed by, I think a Pakistani woman, an Indian woman. I'm not sure.
0: Uh, well, I'm, I'm excited to see it regardless, but that's not the movie we're talking about right now. Uh, we're talking about Spider-Man far from home. This is your spoiler warning. Um, if you go see the movie, um, if you haven't seen the movie already, otherwise, feel free to continue listening on. This is your, uh, last warning. Alright, so, so what do you want to start out with, buddy? Okay, so, so here's, so here's the interesting thing that I think happened, right?
1: You saw this movie, and you, it was, and you predicted the, like, the big Marvel plot twist, right? Um... And that is what made it feel rote, right? That, like, Mysterio wasn't a good guy. He was faking these things with sound effects and all this other, you know, with special effects. And he was just trying to, like, make himself a hero. And you could see right through the plot and everything like that. Yeah. that's bit, Yeah. 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 See, that was... Oddly refreshing. And this has been put into stark contrast, specifically against Captain Marvel. Like, we, we, we talked a lot about this in the Captain Marvel podcast, and it kind of coalesced in the space sort of, you know, afterwards. A lot of people were like, Captain Marvel was fine, but... And then they would go into all of their problems, right? And as far as I'm concerned, all of those problems can be grouped up into one thing, which is Carol Danvers does not have a story arc. Now, there's a lot of reasons why she doesn't have a character arc, Um, and, and, and people are always kind of positing, oh, well, it's because of this and that, but I think the real answer is because of the twist in the movie. The scrolls are not bad guys. And in order to sell you on that mid movie twist, right, you need all this extra time and real estate in terms of runtime, in terms of like minutes on the clock to explain to the audience how, what they thought they knew they were not you know, they, they were not accurate about, essentially. And this happens in a lot of Marvel movies, right? This happens in, uh, you know, this happens in the, like, Ragnarok, where he ends up on, you know, like, he ends up on Sakaar, and, like, the Hulk is there, and they do this whole breakout sequence, right? There's a couple of other, like, really big twists. Obviously, the the snap is a good one from... Um, Infinity War, Endgame has the, what they are calling now in this movie, The Blip, which is like the five-year time skip to jump forward or whatever. Um, and so there's just, like, there's just a lot of these, you think you know that it's going to go one way, but it's going to go another. Spider-Man Homecoming had a really good one of these, which was when it turns out that, uh, the Vulture is the dad of Spider-Man's crush, right, Liz Allen. Um... This movie had the twist, but it was very easy to read, right? And I think what made it fun for me is in the same sort of it's re- it's in the same sort of realm of like Aquaman in that sense where it's like I know what's coming next. I understand the construction of this movie. Basically in the first half hour you kind of figure it out. It's not hard to see once you get like the first like interaction or two um with all of these different with all of these different characters. And I was really happy about that because it left so much room for the movie to focus on the Spider-Man teenage antics. You know, will he commit to, will he tell the the girl he has a crush on how much of a crush he has on her? Or is he going to be stuck doing superhero stuff, right? All that stuff. There isn't a lot of need, even the scenes with Peter and Beck. Who is Mysterio, right? Like, those scenes are all reflecting back into Peter's, like, internal conflict. And it is all about him and his character, and, like, the actions that he is taking and the decisions that he's making, and where his kind of emotional state is at any individual, you know, like, at any individual moment, which just, like, made for a more solid. You know, for, like, a more solid movie, right? Like, I've seen people argue that the Skrulls thing is a – like, the twist there is good because it's so thematic, and it's about, like, how we think of refugees as invaders or whatever, and it's making this whole theme. I think, honestly, it's really tough to pull that out of that movie. I think that's thin. Um, but in this movie, it's really easy for me to argue that all of the stuff going on in the twist is actually all, uh, like, reflected back in Peter and and that, that internal question, right? What does he want and what does he need? How does he resolve this conflict within himself? Which I thought was so good. It was so choice. And that is the thing that, like, really keyed me into this movie that I loved.
0: Yeah, no, I, I definitely thought it was done well. I, I... I think maybe just as as I get older, I have, I I want things to be a little bit longer. Not that this movie necessarily needed to be any longer, but it it always feels to me like these like the a kind of I guess Marvel movies kind of have have adopted this form where they're like the Marvel version of X movie, right? Like Winter Soldier was the Marvel version of a spy thriller. This is kind of the Marvel version of a coming of age story. That's a lot of superhero movies. It's like not unique to this one, but yeah. like. It 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 felt to me, and it felt to me like this in, in a couple of these movies that those kind of like sec or the, those kind of like secondary frame elements are a little bit underserved, um, mm-hmm. and so it wasn't like a really solid coming of age movie. It was an all right coming of age movie with Spider Man, um, and uh, like I thought, I thought like say uh, Into the Spider Verse did it better. Um, although yeah. I I also thought that was a little bit compressed too. But you know, like I said, I think as I get older, I just maybe, maybe it's something to do with like the advent of prestige TV or whatever. But um, i felt I felt like some of the beats were a little bit shorter than they should have been in, in, in that story but I, th- I thought it was definitely serviceable um I thought it was i def- i definitely get your point um I definitely thought that it integrated better than a lot of the other plots or the other plots have like like you were saying um yeah I don't know if uh if I can add on to to that point at all anymore but Yeah, I mean, I
1: do think Spider... I want to be clear. I think Spider-Verse is better, but I also think Spider-Verse is, like, really extraordinary. Yeah, Like, Spider-Verse is an A-plus... Like, I don't want to say once-in-a-lifetime movie, right? But, like, you know, Spider-Verse is up there with things like, you know... Like, Mad Max Fury Road, or... Right, like, these huge movies that really have kind of, like, just... They are titanically good. Yeah. Um, And so... The, Far from home does not reach that it is an it is like an A movie right but like I'm not going to fault it for not getting that extra kind of like A++ extra you know oomph, right that uh, that Spider-Verse was able to attain um I also think there was actually a funny piece of this movie that I thought was interesting and I'm interested in your topic about or in your uh thoughts on this. Just because we have talked in the past about kind of like plot holes and plot logic and the way that we consider um like plot logic in some of these movies. And something that had me very down on uh this film in particular is that I knew we are a film going audience that is hyper aware of plot logic, right? and Mysterio as a character who i love in the like in the comics and stuff Mysterio fundamentally denies plot logic the whole thing about Mysterio is that like he's you know he's a special effects guru but he's doing all of this stuff and sometimes they explain it but a lot of the times they just kind of don't right they just kind of say oh special effects right and and Mysterio is able to like conjure a fucking snake out of smoke and it's just like he's just really good with sleight of hand i yeah i guess you know what i mean holograms yeah yeah but like the comics never go into explain it and obviously these comics are dated at this point right like if we were to go back and like read some of these things i'm referencing like obviously they're from the 70s um like the late 60s the 70s kind of thing so the, the attention to that sort of detail is a lot lower back then and it is much easier to just kind of be like yeah fucking sure he's a special effects guy which means he can conjure snakes who cares um, but in this movie, I was like, boy, like, how are they going to fucking thread that needle where, like, Mysterio is, like, effectively sending Peter down these, like, terrible acid trips, right, and not have it immediately break immersion and suspension of disbelief. Um, I obviously have a pretty rocks hard suspension of disbelief, and so the whole thing in Berlin where Mysterio does, in fact, do that to Peter, right, um, where he kind of... Uses the holograms and is being all tricky and uh, you know constantly sort of taking advantage of Peter's naivete, right? Like, did that? Did any of that stuff break your so your,
0: break the illusion? So I definitely thought that it was. I thought it was well done. I thought like okay. It was well enough constructed that I, it, it didn't really bother me. Right? Like, they didn't try to explain it too much, so I couldn't really find it. Like, you know, they're like, it's holograms, and it works, and there's drones. And, like, that's, like, enough to satisfy me to believe it and not so much that I can pick, a, pick it apart. Um, and I also thought the special effects there were pretty fantastic. Um, and I thought that did a great job in selling it, right? Like, I was, I was kind of sold on the, like, on the stunningness of the visual effects there, especially in that Berlin scene. Yeah. Um, that kind of made up for a lot of that. Um, it was kind of funny, because like, I was kind of seeing the seams, I guess is the way to put it, on um, like some of the practical effects earlier in the movie. Oh, yeah, I know. I had that exact same feeling. In fact, to be honest with you, I wasn't even super sold on this movie
1: until about Berlin. Um, it wasn't quite as bad as Rogue One, where like Rogue One is bad until they go to the one planet, and then all of a sudden it gets really good. Um, but it was a similar thing, where it's like the first half-ish of this movie is like... It's like fine, you know. It's okay, but then Berlin happens, and I'm just and I'm immediately like, oh, this is something special, and then it kind of ratches up from there. And I was like, yep, okay, strong, you know. T- the, you you got you had me in the first half, but we pulled it back in the second, right? Like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, uh, absolutely. Uh, I I it was. I, I get why they also didn't do that earlier because they had to like sell the fact that. Mysterio, like they couldn't, you know, play the hand that Mysterio is making it all up, right? Um, it reminded me a lot of of uh, of the Scarecrow stuff from like various Batman media, um, uh, and I, I just thought it was it was really good. I, yeah, I, kinda... I was
1: afraid that they were going to go the drug route, which I really do not enjoy. Um, I've seen it in other specific places, but I feel like it's a cop out, to be honest with you. Where it's like. Oh, we those hallucinations you had, you're were, you're were just fucking you're wasted. We we drugged you. Get wrecked.
0: Like Yeah, no, I I get that. Um I definitely thought it was cool that they like went through every every member of the villain team that was like somebody from Tony Stark's past that was mad at him. Yeah. Um uh I like I like uh, especially, especially especially the scientist guy from from Iron Man 1. I thought that was really good. Yeah, especially
1: because um. that is, by the way, my very favorite moment from Iron Man 1 when Obadiah Stane yells at that guy, right? Or he's like, Tony Stark built this in a cave from scraps! Like, that's the kind of, like, scenery chewing I am here for, right? So I, I really appreciated that. Like I felt like that was for me. That was, like, a personal shout-out. They were like, buddy, we got you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I, absolutely. Um, I also I also was very happy to see Martin Starr in, in this movie, just because yeah. I'm a big Martin Starr fan. Even though he's he not so he's, he, he's not as he's he's not the typical character he plays, which is you know like the dead pants snarky. But uh, but it was good. Um, Yeah, I I actually do want to take
1: a moment and address the comedy, because the comedy in this movie was great, and I don't say that often about Marvel movies. There was a little bit of, like, kind of the Marvel humor that really got under my skin, but for the most part, right, like, the drama was dramatic, and the comedy was funny, and they were partitioned in, like, the normal way. Um, The one part that did fucking drive me up a wall was like nick fury in that fucking hotel room like i felt like maybe this is the the desired effect who knows like i felt like nick fury i was like jesus fucking christ tell me what the movie is about just give me the plot why are you interrupting this with dumb jokes who cares about ned snoring right like uh, uh, <laughs> that was the one part in the movie that I did highlight as like, oh my god! Stop, yeah, stop. I mean,
0: stop. I, it was also early enough that I I didn't care that much, but I mm-hmm. I, I feel that. Um,
1: yeah, it was also it was very it was very minor. This is why I want to say that it was like you know it was a very good uh, a very good application of. Uh, the Marvel, the Marvel humor formula, right? Like all of the the goofing off on the airplane and, and antics and stuff like that. Uh, with the school group, like that stuff was that stuff was funny. That stuff was, you know, it was where it was supposed
0: to be. The 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 again, Martin Star, the, the Martin Star moment where he's like, "My wife pretended to blip." Like that was just like that. Like got me. Like you
1: know, it's just- funny. I actually that moment got me too, and it also got the dude sitting next to me. So hard. And I was like, he <laughs> died. He, like, fucking died. And I was sitting there, and I was like, did did that happen to you? Did your wife fake <laughs> your own death? And, you like, that's why you find this so, like, darkly amusing? Because I, like, I couldn't understand. He was quiet for the rest of the movie. Like, I feel like I didn't hear a peep out of this guy. But, yeah, <laughs> especially when he was like do you want to, like we had a funeral you know it was a fake funeral but we thought it was real right like <laughs> that was, oh man. oh it was
0: it was so do, do you want to watch the video <laughs> like just, it was it was it was such a small moment but it was so so perfect like yeah ugh. i actually
1: felt like basically everybody in this movie was great except for tom holland in a weird way um which isn't to say tom holland was fine but i really felt like i was like you are obviously 25 years old, right? Like, you are not a teenager anymore. And uh, and I don't
0: really know how to reconcile that in my own... Like, maybe that's just because, like, I, I he, know... I, I feel like he's the youngest-looking Spider-Man we've had, and so he got points for me. He looks younger than Toby... And he looks younger than than Garfield. Yeah, Toby uh,
1: had the benefit, though, of he he aged out, right? Like, he was right. in, you know, he was in high school for the first movie, but in the second movie, he's a young, he's in college. And it's like, okay, fine. You know, Toby Maguire might be 30, but I can believe that he's, you know, 23. Um, uh, and I do agree, Andrew Garfield was... I actually really like Andrew Garfield in that role specifically. Like, I think he was pretty good casting overall, though those movies were hot garbage. Um... But yeah, I do think uh, if we if we are sticking to high school Peter Parker, uh, Tom Holland is Tom Holland is the dude for it. But boy, does he not look sixteen anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that, that that's just going ha- how it's how it's gonna be sometimes, right? Like he. But uh, oh, what, what was the other thing? I was gonna oh, so one, one moment of Tom Holland's acting, I wanted to highlight that I don't know why it struck me, but when he's handing the glasses over to Mysterio, um. And he confirmed, like he she, like Edith asked him to confirm, and he confirms. He sounded like just like a Tony Stark, right? He sounded just like Tony Stark saying something. Um, and it was just for a moment, but it, but it felt really real, um, and I, I really liked it. That, that, that's all. It, it just seemed did you, to do like all of the all of the Tony Stark stuff. Um. So when the movie opened up and it started playing, like. And I will always love you over, like, the opening, like, credit thing. I was like, this is a little bit on the nose. They perfectly transitioned into, like, this cheesy Okay, Jesus yeah. Can cool we talk about how, by the way, I
1: was a part of, like, a high school cable news thing. The opening of this movie is the most authentic thing ever. It is so true to form. Like, the little microphone dipping in and, like, it's yeah. these little details that nobody would think to nail unless, like, you have spent, like... The lighting being a little bit over, like, a little bit overdone, so you see the tint of the green in the blonde of her hair of the green screen, like, behind them, and the dude is missing his cue on what camera to go to. I was like, "I that was the part of the movie that I was dying. It was probably the funniest part of the movie for me, was just, like, picking up all the little tiny things, like, oh, my fucking god, this is, like, every high school news, you know, thing, episode that we put on the air, um... Uh, to open with that was pretty, pretty, pretty hilarious. Yeah, no,
0: and and it, you know it's that was the the right cheesy song for an in remembrance, um, like and it, 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 it that that totally got me. I was like, are they really doing this for fucking Tony Stark? And you know because because they do they they did it over the Marvel scene, but yeah, like excellent, perfect execution. Got to give them props there. Um. Uh, yeah, no, that was. Uh, that was a good moment there there this movie has some some really good moments I really enjoyed the uh waking up in prison with the Nederlanders. um like it was just it was just like a, a very Dude, I, kind I
1: was like did the new did, like did the Netherlands pay for like really good press it made nether they made the Netherlands look like such a great place. yeah <laughs> you know?
0: I've been there a couple times it is it is very nice the people there are very nice never been in jail there so you know I uh, can't speak yep. to that but um but yeah, no, it was uh, this, this. This movie had, like, like I said, the movie had a lot of kind of nice moments that worked really well. I think, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the two the two highlight members of the cast that I would want to shout out are first of all Zendaya, who is also like 22 or something like that, but she really sold being a 16 year old, like an awkward like.
0: Is she Mary Jane? I-
1: uh yeah she's MJ yeah uh and oh, it's not Mary
0: Jane it's MJ right yeah oh
1: yeah because yeah what didn't they say in the first movie that she yeah that? yeah it's a, it's a yeah. different
0: name but they but she said I go by MJ right yeah that's so dumb
1: anyway um and uh, and then Jake Gyllenhaal I thought was like the fucking man in this movie um partially because I feel like it's a little bit of a layup to kind of like cast a, an actor like him in a part like that which is. Kind of like this hammy, egotistical, almost like an entertainment industry kind of like person. Like I'm sure it was not very hard for him to to find inspiration for that kind of like. He was like half
0: Nightcrawler in, in some of this, yeah, not 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 the character the from the movie Nightcrawler. Right, like, right, right. Yeah, no, very, like
1: that's exactly it, right? Um, and he was so great because like in those early fatherly scenes, I was like, oh yeah, like this dude is he is so nice and he is so like tender or whatever. But there was always, I mean, you know. There was always that underlying thread of like, but he's fucking, you know, he's got to be lying, right? He's got to be tricking these people. Um, And then the tricking that he does do is great. Uh, Part of this is just smart writing, actually. Like, this is part of what makes the whole Berlin scene go so well. Like, something that I, I thought of immediately as the Berlin scene was going was I was kind of like, okay, right, but this falls into the immediate trap Why doesn't Mysterio just fucking shoot Spider-Man while he's disoriented, right? He's got all these drones flying around Spider-Man, and he can just pull out his gun, walk up to Spider-Man, and shoot him while he's disoriented. Why doesn't he just do that? But the whole thing was a ploy to get him to reveal who else knew about the projector, right? Um... And so I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like that's a really, you know, it's a tiny little bit of logos, right? But it's really, it's really clever writing. And then, you know, he walks Peter in front of a fucking train in order to, in order to finish him off, kind of thing. Um, so that was I like I just thought like some of some of this stuff um, in like how the character behaves and how the character acts or whatever was uh, partially just a good script was carrying, um, and partially it was just Jake Gyllenhaal is a really accomplished actor who can do this shit in his fucking sleep
0: (laughs) yeah no and and you know they they kind of nailed like the the beard look like when he put the glasses on he looked kind of like if you wanted to make the the argument that you know spider-man you know spider-man sees him and he looks kind of like tony stark you know with, with the beard and whatever i i think they did that very well um like you said he's a good actor um and he sold it all really well um and like you know little things like you know he's when he's doing the ribbing thing that they all do it's a little bit too much right like you know you know like like, like that moment where he's like you got to give you 50 50 odds you're kind of awkward like that's like a little bit too far right and it's like you know eh, it's a little bit off but you know it, it was really well done um, and
1: the, and like and i mean and this is the thing that was this is the thing that was like off about it which is where he was like go don't don't save the world, right? Like, don't be a superhero, dude. Being a superhero sucks. Go fucking, like, make out with MJ or whatever. Which is literally the irresponsible thing to do for the guy that is, right, like, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And so, like, if you're listening to the words coming out of his mouth, you're like, what? Mysterio is obviously wrong. Spider-Man obviously needs to stop the, you know, imminent doom of the planet or whatever else. Um, but, uh... But in the moment, he just, like, sold it so well as, like, an Uncle Ben sort of, like, figure. Just, you know, saying, listen, be a kid or whatever.
0: Yeah. No, um, ab- ab- absolutely.
1: Yeah. There was also a bit uh, that I also really liked, which was, did you say for both post-credit scenes?
0: Yes. So, I, I, I did want to talk about this, too. Bringing back J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson is perfect. Um, he does. He's, he's a little bit older now, obviously, but, like... I, just, I, I, was, I was so happy to see him on that screen. So, first of all, I was so happy to see him on that screen. Second of all, there are, it really highlighted some things
1: about this movie for me that I want to talk about. But I was actually referring to the second credit scene, which uh. had another small bit of logos that I actually felt like was really important. Because another piece of the movie that was kind of like, you know, just like prodding my brain in the wrong way was I was like, did Nick Fury really get stumped by this guy? Like, it's Nick fucking Fury. Is he really that stupid? And so the second post-credit scene establishing that no, it's not Nick Fury, it's Ben Mendelsohn struggling so fucking hard to talk through that scroll makeup um, answered that question perfectly for me because and and i remember thinking about it over the course of the movie where i was kind of like you know this guy is like nick fury but he's not exactly like nick fury like there are some moments where it comes across like yes and some moments where it came across as no and now and and given the very end of it i was i was also i was immediately like oh my god this makes so much sense i love it do you know what i mean yeah no absolutely um, uh, but I do want to talk about the J. Jonah Jameson, which is to say that, did you find this movie fucking weirdly political? This is like, I mean, all of the Marvel movies are are political in, you know, kind of certain certain senses, but this one felt like, maybe I'm just extremely online, right? But I felt like this movie was subtweeting like the Trump era and like Alex Jones and fake news and all of that stuff like the whole time. And seeing Jay Jonah Jameson at like a podcast booth with the thing. Oh no, that, that's, that's, that's like
0: that's like a color shifted. Uh, fucking... Uh, yeah, like InfoWars, war, right? InfoWars set, yeah. Yeah, that
1: is exactly... And I was like... And I could, because, you know... What, what like At first I was like, what the fuck are they getting at with this, like, oh, they'll believe what I tell them or whatever. And I was like, is he talking about the President of the United States in a Marvel movie? Right? Like, what the fuck is going on here? No, and I- then that happened at the end and I'm like, ah, boy, that's
0: pretty fucking obvious, right? Am I right? Yeah, I, so I, I don't know how, like... Like, it indefinitely invokes it. I don't know how much it's supposed to directly reference it. Because, like, there's also, like... They basically said fake news in the middle of the movie, too. Right? Like, don't yeah. trust the news. And I was like, yeah. that's a weird way to go with it. But, right? Yeah, so, like... It feels like it was trying to invoke the tropes without being political. Which is, like, a weird thing to do. Um, But that was my read on it. Because I, I definitely felt that. But it, 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 felt, it felt, like, not... Close enough to reality to like real to like really like make a statement about it if that makes mm. sense yeah
1: yeah I, I think I think that might be the case. I feel like this is one of those times where and in a worse movie, it would really bring down my rating by a lot because I kind of hate it when this happens, where like they borrow kind of like these these kind of like signposts of our current politics without interrogating them or, like, dealing with them. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to bring this stuff up, you better have a point, in a way. But really, the movie doesn't seem to have much of a point about it. It just kind of is there, if that makes sense. Um, and I think it's fine. I don't... I I think it's fine. Uh, especially because, like, the the Alex Jones thing is in, like, the post-credits or whatever. And that's, like... R- r- like, when it comes to what is direct, that is direct right um but uh but i probably agree with you that it like yeah it's, it, overall it's like pretty slight
0: yeah um it, it, it's it's weird because it felt like it felt like more like a pop culture reference than it did like uh like a piece of political commentary no
1: absolutely that's exactly that's exactly my point right like it's not referencing this thing to like make a point it's like referencing it's like you know, it's, like, referencing Tiananmen Square in, like, a Coke commercial, which is a really cynical way to put it, right? But, like, Coke doesn't care about, like, the oppression of, like, the Chinese communist regime, right? Like, they're just trying to fucking sell you a Coke. And that's also – and, you know, like, and I don't want to say that, like, obviously I think, you know, commercial blockbusters are – artful and they're meaningful and there's a lot in them right and they get shit on by people in really like dumb ways or whatever right but like i feel like this is definitely like a reference to without really engaging with something if that makes sense
0: yeah yeah no i i i I buy that um i do
1: hope that they follow up on it more i would love to see a movie about, uh, you know, Spider-Man dealing with the Alex Jones fake news kind of... This is is one of my favorite pieces of the Spider-Man mythos. I actually think, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't like a little bit of this stuff, and I'll get into that in a minute, but I think that that conflict, I don't like Spider-Man as a trustworthy superhero, right? I think Spider-Man should almost universally be, like untrusted by the public because of you know the cops that don't like him right because he's a vigilante or you know jay jonah jameson is like spreading these these shitty lies about him or kind of whatever right like i think that that as like an uphill battle even just like the commercial level like i outlined in our in our spider-man homecoming uh review i talked about this one really amazing moment in one of the spider-man comics where the kingpin through the wrestling label that, like, you know, first, where where Spider-Man first shows up, right? He They buy that wrestling label, which means they own the rights to Spider-Man's licensing. And Spider-Man shows up to the Kingpin and, like, stops him from doing crimes. And Kingpin shows him, like, the prototype f- Spider-Man action figure. And he's like, I'm gonna sell this in every fucking toy shop on, you know, on the East Coast. And... All of the money that you are costing me right now by, like, whatever, breaking up this drug ring, that that doesn't matter. Because I'm going to be making money off of these action figures for as long as you choose to be a superhero. So every day that you go out and, you know, beat up bad guys and stop the city from get blowing up, that is all dollars and cents hitting my bank account. And it's this perfect, like, this perfect distillation of that incredibly frustrating thing about being spider-man right about having that like having that responsibility and facing these powerful foes kind of thing and jay jonah jameson all of the you know like all of the alex jones kind of stuff i feel like plays perfectly into that archetype for spider-man where he's trying so hard to be good and do good and the misrepresentations of people around him are like undermining him and how that, and like the, you know, the frustration and the, and the, how, how tough it is to be Spider-Man like really kind of comes through. But the thing that I don't like about that specific sequence is that it also pairs it with the revelation that Spider-Man is Peter Parker, which has I, I just don't think that's a successful thing unless he's, unless he's dead, like in Spider Verse, right, where they reveal he's Peter Parker. No, uh,
0: that, 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 that's kind of. I think what they're gonna do is not kill him, but I think they're gonna bring in another Spider Man. Um, oh, you uh, think so? Yeah, I, I think I think that's got to be what's setting up, right? Because like the, that's like kind of the obvious plot of the next movie, right? Like there is another Spider Man, and Peter Parker's like, it's not me, right? Like maybe maybe oh my it's God. like they're
1: gonna do a clone saga. That would be amazing.
0: I uh, I assumed it was gonna be Miles. Right, like because they set up uh, Donald Glover as the uncle in the in the in the last movie. Um, I uh, also I was actually kind of sad that they like that the the multiverse stuff is all like uh, bullshit, right? It's very Watchmen esque bullshit. Um, Because I would have loved to have seen like a real crossover from like one of the uh, from like Spider Verse or something. Yeah. Um, But uh, I I I assume that there's gonna be another Spider Man in the next movie, and that's what that's set up for. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I, the, the the other thing is that I just have absolutely no faith whatsoever in any of these post credit scenes that do big reveals like that. Like that 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 was one of the things that struck me about this movie. I was like, wasn't the whole post credits in this that Aunt May found out that Spider Man was was Peter Parker and that's like a huge deal? That is a gigantic deal, and it's just completely inconsequential in terms of this movie. Um, which just kind of sucks, right? Like, I don't know. It it feels like a betrayal. It feels like, you know, it feels like, it feels like pre-ordering a game based on the trailer and then the gameplay sucks kind of thing, right? Like, just very much did not deliver on the thing that you very explicitly teased two years ago, right? Which was that there was going to be some major kerfuffle and fallout or whatever about Aunt May learning that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um... So that's, I don't know, I just find that, I find that mildly,
0: yeah, uh, kind I, of,
1: like, I, mildly frustrating. I don't think this, that's a problem with this movie as much as it is with, like, the Marvel archetype, which seems to do this all the fucking time. It feels like every single one of these has been, like, every single one of these, like, post-credit teases kind of has been inconsequential bullshit. Uh, in the next movie that they are teasing. And so I'm just like, at this point, I'm bottomed out on any... I just refuse to get hype for any of that kind of Yeah, know,
0: I, I, I think part of it is that in the MCU, knowing the identity of superheroes isn't generally a big deal. And so I think, like, you know, I don't think you were wrong to read it the way you did with the with Homecoming, but I think the way they meant it was like, oh, and now... And now Aunt may knows too, right, because you know like they just just to establish it um as a as a thing that's not the biggest deal um
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I was actually surprised how much I enjoyed all of the the secret identity antics we really have abandoned secret identities um as a thing right like secret identity wasn't all that important even to like the DC well i guess Shazam had a bunch of secret identity stuff right but like Wonder Woman Aquaman Man of Steel and, Bandit, and BVS are pretty unconcerned with with secret identities right most of the Marvel movies have been unconcerned with secret identities for um for the entirety of their you know for the entirety of their runtimes um so getting a real big return to those kinds of like plot mechanics felt refreshing in a way like It was probably played out, and I think that's why that stuff went away. And I do remember how huge a deal it was when, at the end of Iron Man, Tony Stark didn't play into the secret identity bullshit, and he just said, I am Iron Man. Um, Because, you know, like this was in the air. Like The Dark Knight is obviously very concerned with secret identities. Um, The the original Spider-Man movies were all about secret identities. The Daredevil movie that came out was about secret identities. Um, So I feel like it was a nice, like, yeah, like, okay, welcome back secret identity plot mechanics, I've missed you kind of thing um, in the intervening 10 years since Iron Man.
0: Yeah, and then they threw it in the trash. Uh-huh. And then they
1: just, like, d- dunked it in the fucking trash can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, um, yeah. yeah, it's... I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting. I just, it's, I feel like I'm going to be tired of, like, whatever this is in the next movie just because it's, like... I don't know. We'll see see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think, like...
1: I feel like this has been the case for a lot of the Marvel movies for me, right? Where, like, a bunch of them will come out, and they're all hitting me wrong, and then one of them does, and I'm just like, oh, yeah. Right, like, you know, it was Black Panther before this, and then before that... Fuck, what were the other movies that came out? Homecoming. Well, Ant-Man was 2015. Oh, it was Doctor Strange! Doctor Strange, boy. Right, like, talk about a movie. Um... That, uh, it's so, so like this always seems to happen to me where just one out of every couple will just like really hit the nail on the head for me. And I just kind of have to assume that the next one that's coming out, I don't actually even know what is the next Marvel movie. Um, I don't either. I just have to assume that it's probably not gonna work out, you know, for me.
0: <laughs> you know, I, I, on the note of revealing Peter Parker, like, the. <laughs> The, like when he said "execute them all," I was like, "That there's no way that that line was in there by accident. That sounds like way too awkward. Like that's it, got to be something, right? Like, and it was right. Like you know, it, 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 I, I I guess if I don't know, I don't know if I've got like an opinion on it, but it was a thing that I noticed, right? Like, um, it was like an odd way to phrase it in the first place. Uh, but you know, whatever it were. It's fine. Um, I hope Mysterio is still alive. That would be neat. Um, uh, I don't know if he's going to be or not. Uh, I really I love
1: I really love uh, Mysterio, and so I, w- I think it would be pretty neat if
0: And, and they've Mysterio got an easy out. They can back. be like holograms, um, and it'll work. Um, yeah. like this, I mean,
1: the, the very end thing where Spider-Man uses his spider sense to get past like the illusions or whatever, and then Mysterio makes the illusion of himself dying... And Spider Man catches like the the bullet or whatever. Like I, that was all very like ah all of the all of like the trixie illusion stuff. Like all that stuff was so like principally and core Mysterio. Um, that as like a fan of that character and that kind of like archetype of like these like trippy kind of you know these trippy kind of dudes, uh, it just worked so well.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I'm actually so I, I was I was gonna say the only the only thing that maybe fell off to me a little bit like. Uh, Plot-wise, was was you know this thing's supposed to kill the whole world, and they don't want to call anybody in. But it, it like that end scene, that post-credit scene does a lot of work there because it's like, oh, uh, Ben Mendelsohn doesn't want to like screw things up. Also makes sense why he's like don't invoke her name when when with uh, with Captain Marvel, right? Like, yeah, I also thought that was that very does, weird. I feel like it does way too much work for a post-credit scene. Uh, um. Yeah,
1: because uh, honestly, I—that that is the job of Logos, right? Like in story structure, like the, the, it's just these little details that help explain all of the dissonant like pieces of the plot. And I think it's, you know, I think it's almost impossible to do that for absolutely everything. Um, but like this one, yeah, this one hefts a lot, like something that also got me was, it was like, oh, they're made in black holes and they draw power from like the core and the primal elementals, right? Like water, air, fire, Wait, I'm like, do these guys know? Like. Marie Curie like Jesus Christ like come on guys get a fucking science degree you know what I mean like and, and what is this answer, like Aristotle bullshit that you
0: know these are the four elementals right and, and the answer is they got an author to write some comic-y sounding bullshit like, yeah, it, is, yeah. it, is, it is like very Watchman-esque um, in a way which, which, I, which I definitely appreciated um, oh man Jake Gyllenhaal as Ozyman Dias would be neat uh, but that's that's yeah that's you know
1: yeah it was it was it was very Watchmen esque but it but also in a like um uh in a like lighthearted way yeah which is which is kind of nice I do think that I was also feeling a little bit of fatigue I think the same thing was happening with Shazam which is probably why I thought that movie uh, why that movie worked so well for me because the the you know I mean even though Endgame had its big triumphant moment right like that movie is a downer for a lot of its runtime. Right. So getting, you know, kind of getting back on track and being able to just like have a fun, you know, fun goofy superhero movie that's doing fun goofy superhero movie stuff. I don't know, it just feels good. It does feel a lot like Aquaman for me. Like not that they are the same movie, but that they have these certain like signifiers that that have that worked really well for me a lot what what are present in aquaman are also present in this movie and i think that they're just like great and choice
0: yeah no i i definitely see the aquaman comparison as as we talked about when that movie came out i thought aquaman was a little rote as well so yeah. you know my opinion remains consistent across both of them Um, Aquaman also, I mean, I like Aquaman better just because it's
1: Aquaman, but also because, like, Aquaman goes harder for it because, like, it's so huge, right? Like, part of what makes Aquaman work is just, like, because it is wrote on this high fantasy epic story, and it goes hard for the high fantasy epic stuff, you can't really do that with, like, a teen romance, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So you don't have the same thing of, like, the fucking Kraken Kaiju moment, In Aquaman, there's nothing like that that can be kind of comparatively made in a movie about MJ and Peter Parker like awkwardly kissing on the Tower Bridge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No, that awkward awkward kiss moment. I do want to. I do want to say that awkward kiss moment was totally fucking stolen from the Jumanji remake from last year, 2 years ago, with The Rock and Kevin Hart because there is a there is a moment in that movie where two teenagers are having their first kiss, but it is The Rock and Karen Gillan as they're like video game avatars having their first kiss, and it is so funny because they are so awkward and I was like I, you know, I was like this is a funny moment and I and I and I should laugh, but you guys fucking stole that shit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah no, uh, yeah uh, I don't know if I got anything to add to that. Um, <laughs> oh, you should I watch definitely... that movie.
1: You would love that movie. I actually think that comedy would be right up your alley. We should I'm... actually we should review that movie for the cast because it's a video game movie. Yeah, I think we it actually
0: should... does. You know what we can do? There's a second one coming out. Um, I, yeah. Like, yeah. So <laughs> did, you see,
1: did you see the trailer for it? Was it? In front I haven't. Of
0: this? I saw no. I saw that there okay. was a trailer for it, but I haven't seen the trailer yet. I generally only watch trailers when they're in front of movies that I'm going to see. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah, um, but I think we should watch that for the run up to that movie. But um, I was going to say that I did appreciate the the humor in the uh, in, in the happy Aunt May romance subplot, especially the the uh, the end point. I thought that I thought that was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I actually I really like uh, I really like John Favreau in that part. Yeah. Marissa Tomei as Aunt May is honestly like. It's just such a different interpret... Like, that's not really Aunt May. That might as well be, like, Aunt Agnes for, like, all the resemblance that that character has to the actual Aunt May. Um, But happy but John Favreau did a lot of work in this movie that I did not expect from him because you know he's a director he, you know, he's been an actor for a long time but like the big thing that he did was direct Iron Man and you know go on to direct other stuff so um I was pleasantly surprised at how strong he was
0: <coughs> yeah me. no I, I I really appreciated him being all over this movie I thought it was a lot of fun um I but what it what this does mean is I want uh I want Joe Pesci to have a cameo in one of these movies because the only other thing I know Marissa Tomei from is My Cousin Vinny. Um, that that American classic.
1: Yeah, Pesci- I mean, part of me thinks that like this is one of the limitations of, you know, like, for instance, Patrick Willems, who we've talked about in the cast before, did a whole episode about the limitations of the Marvel Universe. And something that he talks about is, like, you know, the serialized nature of these movies always kind of means that they will be big, there, there will be more to them kind of plot-wise and character-wise and anything, then can be compressed in their two-hour runtime, right? Infinity War, Endgame. These movies do a very good job of, like, imitating the big event comics, like Secret Invasion, Civil War, you know, um, Fear Itself, uh, any any of the uh, Avengers versus X-Men, right? Like, any of the examples that you would want to kind of go to, right? But really those events are supported by the 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 books tying them in between. And in a lot of ways I think that this is sort of the this is the problem that I have with the post-credit scene not ever amounting to anything. It's the same sort of frustration with like the resolution to civil war being that, you know, the Avengers are all bad guys, like they're just like all of that stuff happens off-screen and it isn't dealt with. And I think this movie has a lot of that stuff, just because there's a lot to the Spider-Man mythos, you know? You have the high school drama at the same time that you have the superhero drama at the same time that you have Aunt May is doing Aunt May things and Spider-Man is trying to keep her, you know, safe or, or whatever. Um, and there just kind of isn't enough time to handle any of it. Or, oh, I'm sorry, to handle all of it. You kind of have to pick and choose. And... It's interesting that they pick and choose to go so hard on this relationship with Tony Stark, which they've gone deep on for two movies. I felt like it was much better in this movie than it was in Spider in Homecoming. Um, like one of the things that Patrick says in the in the video is how much he didn't like Spider Man Homecoming because the whole movie is kind of just about Peter Parker saving a bunch of Tony Stark's crap, um, which feel which I think accurately kind of talks about why I haven't ever felt an urge to go back to it, I guess. Um, and, uh, and, and making it about Spider-Man, kind of, rather than making it about Tony Stark in a way, uh, really, I don't know, it really kicked this movie into high gear, and I think appropriately answered that criticism from the last one.
0: Okay, I, I I think I buy that. I I really liked Homecoming. I feel I think I might have liked Homecoming more than this movie, um, but uh, I I see your point, and I definitely I definitely get that. I really like I don't know. I, I really like the the kind of dad kid dynamic with with uh, Peter and and Tony. Um, I don't know if that's the thing that ever happens in the comics, but I I just thought it was I thought it was yeah. Great. So th- I, so okay in the comics.
1: This is part of the weird part. It is not in the comics really that much. Um, There's a bit in the comics in the early 2000s where um, Peter Parker and Tony kind of, like, sync up. This is right before Civil War. And it's why during Civil War – so, okay, during Civil – like, in the run-up to Civil War, Peter Parker and Tony Stark become really good buddies, right? And he makes that Iron Spider suit. I am so sorry for all of these sirens, you guys. I just keep... Yeah, and I had, really I had like, a bunch of
0: train horns, so, you know, it's, it, this is a, this is a good know. one for uh, or. Spider-Man, take noise. care of
1: the fire! Okay, um, so in the run-up to Civil War, Tony Stark and, and Peter Parker kind of, like, become friends, right? They join the Avengers together. This is the first time that, that Spider-Man is ever on the Avengers. I think that's, like, 2002 sort of thing. Um, he gets the Iron Spider suit, and he is part of, like, Tony Stark's kind of... um entourage for a while up into civil war and he becomes part of the like the registration act you know set of people including revealing himself to the world through a giant press conference and then halfway through civil war he realizes that actually cap is right and so he defects from tony's side it's this whole thing um and so all of that stuff is very modern he Peter Parker does have this kind of relationship in terms of, like, a fatherly figure, like a fatherly scientist figure sort of like this. But it's with Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. And I get a lot of, you know, this is this is a little bit of a deep cut, but I get a lot of, like, inklings that that is the case. Tony Stark is played up as a kind of, like technocratic genius in the Marvel movies compared to his own sort of like solo series like he is a very accomplished inventor don't get me wrong but like if you talk about someone as like the smartest guy in the room that person is Reed Richards for the most you know for most of the Marvel you know universe in the comics run Um, and Spider-Man he joins the Fantastic Four for a while one of his first issues is about trying to hook up with the Fantastic Four his best friend for a long time uh, becomes Johnny Storm of the fantastic Four, like this is spider-man and his amazing friends right it is um him and uh him and uh god what i just said his name johnny storm and they build like the spider mobile that can drive up fucking walls it's the 70s don't think about it too much um and stuff like that so i feel like that's kind of where they're pulling some of this stuff from and they're like oh you know spider-man has this kind of dad relationship with another superhero um but outside of that like Spider-Man aged out of teenagehood pretty quickly in the comics. Like, most of the big stuff that we think about when we think of big Spider-Man stories like Gwen Stacy and stuff, all that stuff happened while he was in college. He was a grad student at Empire State University, right? So by the time that he and Tony become friends, it is not so much a father-son sort of thing and much more a kind of, like, I don't know, like, big brother, little brother sort of thing. Um so, this is something that is very much invented for the movies, and I think it's just kind of playing off of the fact that, like, Tony Stark is really famous, or Tony Stark is really popular because of the, in the MCU movies, and he is the person who had that first point of real contact with Spider-Man, and so they're just leaning hard on it. Um, but it is probably the most alien piece of all of this stuff. Um, to the Spider-Man mythos. Such an alien piece, by the way, that I actually complained about it, you know, like, I, I've complained in the past about tech Spider-Man, I really hate the iron spider suit, um, I want Spider-Man to just have web shooters and spandex, I think that's the appropriate way to kind of, like, play it, and I was glad to see that in this movie, he basically did, they didn't really do anything with that fucking stupid, dumb nanite suit, or whatever, um, but, yeah, that's why that stuff I al- always has felt off to, you know, like, to me, as like, a long-time comics fan.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know what, what else I can, I don't know if I can add anything to that, but I definitely I definitely, uh, I definitely feel a, that. D- yeah, I know, this is such a deep cut. I hope every, all of you
1: appreciate this gigantic fucking history lesson into, like, really obscure comics minutia. Next week we'll be talking about Atrocitus, the Red Lantern, and all of his backstory, right, Mike? <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm trying. Now, first? honestly, Atro- do, do you know Atrocitus?
0: No, I do not.
1: Okay. One of the one of the things that gets revealed... This is a Green Lantern thing, but I just have to explain it because it's, like, it's going to be... Go uh, for it. <laughs> ...stuck on my craw for a while. Uh, one of the things that gets revealed in the Green Lantern comics is that the color green that he makes the constructs out of is like he is projecting the force of his willpower into the ring in order to make those constructs, right? And that there are other colors with other kind of emotions like willpower that that back them up right so blue is the emotion of hope yellow which sinestro uses is the emotion of fear right orange is avarice and red is rage and the red lantern the first guy to harness the the red ring of rage is this guy named Atrocitus who is honestly Atrocitus is great and he's the best and I I I have nothing but good things to say about him, but I was just trying to find. I was trying to think of like an obscure comic book character that nobody would, you know, like that nobody would know off the top of my head.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> have
1: you ever heard of like Blackest Night, the Sinestro Corps? Yeah. War? Okay. Like, yeah. Uh, no. I.
0: I'm. I'm. I'm definitely aware of 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 uh, of, of some of some of the Green Lantern yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: it was big for a while, and then the movie came out, and kind of like the whole thing. Killed um, it, yeah. It just kind of like killed it dead, which sucks because honestly, it is some of the best. If I can think of the very best like comic book storytelling in like the past twenty years, that saga of Green Lantern, which is hundreds of issues, but it's so good, um, is is definitely like right up there. That whole run is so solid. I've I've been rereading it on the DC Universe app hashtag sponsored. Um, and we're not
0: sponsored. The shit. <laughs> yeah, we're they need to pay us. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> Um, no, no fucking around, but anyway,
1: speaking of the DC universe app and stuff that is not Spider-Man homecoming, how how was your week, mango?
0: My, my week was great. Um, what did I do this week? I, uh, Oh, I played a bunch of Sam show. Uh, Sam show is fucking great. I really love it. Can Can you explain
1: to me, Sam show? I've heard the, I've heard the abbreviation and I know that it stands for samurai showdown, but that's about it.
0: Yeah, so Samurai Showdown is a fighting game. It's an old fighting game by SNK. Uh, they recently brought it back. Uh, Showdown is spelled S H O D O W N. For all of you at home looking to look it up, uh, it has been misspelled forever and it's continued to be misspelled. They released a new game, I guess, a week ago at this point. Is it purposefully um, misspelled? No, it's just like one of those things where like they they translated it poorly out of Japanese and they never bothered oh, okay. to fix it.
1: So it's like Donkey Kong, Monkey Kong, kind of thing. Uh, is,
0: that a, I, is that real? Is that an urban legend? I don't think that that's real. But okay,
1: that's one of those things that I just said as if it was real, but I. Th- it, but now that I said it out loud, I'm pretty sure it was fucking an urban legend, right? Like that's no, there's no way that's fucking real.
0: Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's just uh, uh, a reference to, uh, or I mean, part of it's a reference to King Kong, but. I don't no, know.
1: sure, sure. Well, so the urban legend is that the reason he's Donkey Kong is because they mistranslated monkey. Um, Which just does not sound doesn't sound real to me. Yeah, it does not sound real to me either. Now that I say it out loud on a podcast where I might be held to account for my uh, for the things that I say, don't listen to me. I'm fake news. Anyway,
0: (laughs) (laughs) um, anyway, uh, uh, oh yeah. So it's it's a much slower game. It's much more. You'll hear people describe it as old school, uh, which is which is fairly appropriate. Um, Basically, it's. It, it's it's slower it plays kind of like uh it, at the risk of invoking the meme it plays like dark souls um Oof. It, in, in that in that it, it's like you commit hard to moves Did if you, you hear that? If, fifty
1: thousand gamers all were just like yes the dark souls of fighting games
0: <laughs> um like I said at, at, at the risk of invoking the meme but it, it it it's accurate in the it's accurate in the way that not that it's like overly hard. In fact, in terms of, like, technical complexity, it's probably a little bit less so than a lot of, like, the, the bigger ones. But it's... you Moves are relatively slow. You commit hard to them. If you miss, you're wide open. You can get punished very easily. Um, and it's a lot about mind games. Um, I'm not very... I'm not good at, like, combos. Um, and so this, this game is very much not about combos. The combos are at, like, most, like, three or four hits. Um, this game is a lot about... Uh, it's kind of mind games, what's called footsies, which is kind of where you poke back and forth with your opponent trying to gauge distance. Um, I'm playing Earthquake, which is a big dude. Um, he has really long range. Uh, people have described him as kind of like a fat dalsim because his range is so long. He uses uh, Kuris Sagama, I believe is the name of the weapon, the, the, the Chain Scythe. Um, uh, you know, but it's got a bunch of cool characters. Um I'm having, I'm having a ton of fun with it. I feel myself really digging into it because I feel like I can comprehend what's happening. A lot of times with, with fighting games is you play and you get your ass kicked and you don't know exactly why you're losing this game. Um, I feel like I exactly know why I messed up, which is kind of very much like Dark Souls, uh, again. Um, you know, you, you kind of know where you screwed up. Um, a lot of neat little mechanics, um, but none of them are, like, super overbearing. There's not a super high execution barrier. Um, but yeah, it's a great game. I highly recommend it for any of you with a PS4 out there. It's also out on Xbox One. Not sure if, what the online community is like there, but um, what else is there? Oh, it's coming to PC in the winter, so...
1: What would you say uh, the the closest game, like, fighting game to like? it is? Like, does uh, it, it doesn't sound like a Street Fighter, right? Well, you know, I does mean, it doesn't
0: sound like a it's, Smash? It's, it's a 2D fighter. It, it It is probably closest to Street Fighter 4 in that it's slower and a lot more defensive. Okay. Um, but uh, in terms of, like other like in terms of like a game that's like a good a super good analog i don't know if there is one Um uh, maybe dive kick just because that game is all about footsies or like the game footsies which is all about footsies um but uh but yeah um it's a great revival um also of note uh apparently epic uh, well so it's not confirmed that it's epic but they said that somebody approached them for an exclusive pc distribution deal and apparently, their response was, "Why would we go for a deal for thousands of copies when we when we're going to sell millions of copies?" Oh and just God. that fucking brashness—it's not going to sell millions of copies. But I fucking love it. It's like um, it's like
1: a it's like a one-liner from like an action movie, or it's like you know, it's like it's like three hundred, right? Like <laughs> our arrows will blot out the sun, so, yeah, in the shade, right? Like that kind of a line.
0: Basically, <laughs> um, what do I want to say? Um, other than that. Um, in terms of what I've been playing this week, I, I dipped my toes into Baba is You, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, it's uh it's a puzzle game where you kind of arrange words in, in, to, to make sentences and you do that cleverly to, to do things. It's really cool because it's like every rule about the world is kind of explicitly laid out somewhere. And sometimes you can't manipulate the rules just because, uh, it's you're pushing blocks puzzle at its core. Um, and sometimes the things are in the corners or whatever, but like, you know, Baba is you, wall is stop. If you get rid of wall is stop, you can walk over the walls, you know, stuff like that. And it's, it's really very clever, and it's all about figuring out how to combine those words together to, to, to solve these really neat puzzles, right? Like, baba is, baba is rock, turns the sheep icon into a rock, you know, type that type of stuff. Um, it's really very well designed. Um, it's got an undo button, which is kind of crucial because if you if you move if the the core is always Baba is you. Sometimes it's like a different object, but Baba is you. If you push that you out of the way, nothing is you, and you can't do anything. So the the ability to undo without having to restart is kind of is, is super clutch. But it's it's really well designed, really hard brain teasers. I'm really enjoying it. Um, other than that, I've been playing some Final Fantasy XIV, still in oh the Arun Reborn content. So. Um, not much to say about the new expansion other than it was a very smooth launch, which is very, very surprising.
1: Yeah, I um, have heard that. Uh, I have heard that, which is surprising, um, given the given the track record of Final
0: Fantasy XIV launches. Given the ca- track record of every single MMO launch ever. Yeah, right? that's like,
1: fair. Yeah, honestly. like That's not something that Square Enix owns. I think that's just natural for the genre. Maybe we have finally gotten to a point where we understand how to accurately predict how many players are going to, like, you know... Get on the servers day one and everything,
0: yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, have I been doing anything else that I can talk about in here? Um, not really that I I, I have mentioned before. What what about you, buddy? What have you been up to? There's a
1: bunch of stuff that I've been up to because I feel like a lot of stuff has come out, uh, in the recent like in the recent weeks. So, first of all, I've been playing League of Legends, right? We talked about a little bit about like my Mm. my triumphant return to the crack of my life um and i do think there i there's a lot of really interesting stuff in here that i am like i kind of want to talk about but it's also like tough to talk about in a certain sense um, the only character I seem to be really good on is Yasuo anymore. I really have seemed to have lost a lot of like the skills I used to have with certain characters. Um, but I also like I want to play everybody again. Do you know what I mean? Like I want to go back and be like, oh, I remember how fun it was to play. Nar, I remember how fun it was to play Karthus. I remember how fun it was to play Anivia, you know, and so there's a lot of kind of going back and forth um, in terms of what characters I'm playing and how, you know, how well I'm doing and, uh, and stuff like that, but one of the interesting things that has happened, and I don't know if this is just like the matchmaking hasn't been strong for League, um, in the sense of, you know, the... Uh, the ability to read how good I am after coming off of three years of not playing MOBAs Um, but something that keeps happening is like the games are like quick and pretty decisive a lot of the times I felt like when we were playing in 2016 and before we were getting a lot of games kind of into that mid game phase where we could like group up and you know fight as a team and make make it out alive and, you know, even if we lost our laning phase, we have, whatever it is, Mouth, Katarina, Misfortune, Sona, and fucking Garen, or something like that. And our big, powerful AoE comp just stomps in teamfights, so even though we all lost lane, right, like, we, we can transition that into a victory. That has not been my experience since coming back to League, basically at all. Uh, it feels like you, winning in lane wins you the game. 75 80 percent of the time um and that there aren't a lot of games that come down to like big late game kind of like transitions in strategy the way that they the way that they used to i don't know if this is good or if this is bad there might be uh you know like it there might be something kind of more to that that i i haven't necessarily seen i guess i would say um but it is something that uh, is on my mind, and I and I wanted to mention because wha- it's weird. It's weird that that is the case, and I wonder if this is something that, like, you know, is that like something that the the League of Legends team wants to happen? Like, if you get a lead early, you can snowball, sort of thing. I don't know. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, we, we, I have, I obviously haven't been uh, following it enough to really have a, a super a super kind of informed opinion about why it went that way but I, I definitely see that i haven't played as much as you have but uh you know definitely I, I was sure to my word i downloaded it after immediately while we were finishing the last cast and we played a little bit so did you, did did you enjoy
1: b- playing pike was that was that a fun experience i
0: did i realized after the fact that i like there's a second way to use this queue and you have to hold it so i have like i haven't actually used the hook part i was like wondering why it wasn't working i assumed it was based on how many things it hit but it, it, it just works differently, so I haven't used him to his full ability yet, but uh, I would be down for, for trying that again. Yeah, I um, mean, I
1: definitely had a lot of fun with some of the new champions. Um, Ornn, who is the top lane tank. Uh, you would probably actually very much like Ornn. Um, Ornn is the top lane tank, but he, like, the cool thing that he can do is he forges his own items. He doesn't go back. Um, So, like, out in the lane, if you have 400 gold, you can just build a ruby crystal. And it takes, like, three seconds, and there's a little animation. He's like a smith, right? There's a little animation of, like, an anvil, and he goes tink, 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 and then he makes a ruby crystal kind of thing. Um, Which is, like, very cool and, uh, and sort of interesting. And then he upgrades items, right? So, like... One of the things that Ornn can do for players in the game is turn their kind of like tertiary items into even better, more powerful I- versions of those items. Like, for instance, the Sunfire Cape can be upgraded to the Forge Fire Cape, right? Um, or, you know, like the uh, like Infinity Edge can be upgraded to – I don't I don't even know what it gets upgraded to – but can be upgraded to something, right? Um, and I think that that's like a pretty cool – it's just like a pretty cool hook for like a champion. Um, I haven't played all of the new champions, even though I have money and I could, if I wanted to, you know, like buy a bunch of them uh, or whatever. But you know, it's been fun returning to League of Legends. Um, I definitely have been taking it easy, which I think is the appropriate way to uh, the appropriate way to to approach it, I guess. Uh, the yep. other thing that I wanted to talk about, League of Legends related, is team fight tactics, which is. Their entry into the. Auto, they're called auto battlers, which I think is a really bad name, but like auto chess, right? Uh, Teamfight tactics is all about, you know, you create a team of champions and they might have certain synergies right like if you get two glacials on your team they have a chance to stun on hit or something um or if you get six demons they might do mana burn or something like that but you don't actually physically play them you just kind of put them on the field and they automatically fight each other and you just kind of have to like hope that they that they work i find team fight tactics to be insanely fun i think it's actually the most fun version of in-houses that I've experienced um specifically because the it's free for all right and it's eight people, and you are fighting other people for stuff, but it is it just feels a lot easier to be good natured about it because like it is less um it's less about like these one v one kind of matchups where people can get angry or salty or whatever else me me getting angry or salty or whatever else um and so uh, that has been a really neat experience, kind of too. I am interested in the length of time that these auto battlers will be kind of in vogue. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people, you know, Disguised Toast, who is a, a really famous Hearthstone streamer, more than a million followers on Twitch, has basically transitioned to be a Teamfight Tactics streamer um, since the game mode has come out. And that's cool, uh, obviously. Like, you know, I wish, him, I wish him all the success in the world. Uh, but it is something that I am I, – like, I wonder if the game is kind of, like, deep enough to sort of support that level of uh, investment from folks.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you. I definitely think that we're going to – that, that it will hit a point where, like, the luck <laughs> element is a little bit too much for some people. Um,
1: yeah, that's although, been something that's really on my mind. Uh, A lot of these people are coming in from Hearthstone, and obviously Hearthstone is something that, like... You know, Hearthstone is something where people complain about our RNG all the time. And I do sort of wonder, because there's a lot of RNG elements in uh, Teamfight Tactics and in auto chess games in general, and I wonder if that will become, like, a point of frustration eventually for these same folks, right? Like, are we just in a honeymoon period? Or will, you know, like, will it be... um, I don't know will it will it be worse. One of the things that I do like about Teamfight Tactics and the auto the auto battlers in general is the is the draft element of them, which is something that I feel like has been missing from some of these. Like there isn't an uh, there isn't a draft format, for instance, uh, when it comes to Hearthstone. But like the ability to look at what other people are drafting, and you're all drafting from the same pool, right? To look at the ability f- to see what other people are drafting and pulling things specifically because. You know, like, oh, this person's going assassins, and that person is going, whatever, knights. I'm going to pick up, you know, glacial guardians, or like sorcerers or something, and that'll be my, that'll be the core of my comp, and I'm gonna win the game based on, you know, like, based on that collection, I guess I would call it, um... Of of characters that nobody else is going for, and so I have the best upgrades available. Do you know what I mean? I feel like that is a really like cool piece of the game
0: that I'm glad to see is
1: in you know is in vogue at the moment.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's definitely um, it's definitely interesting. I, I I I frankly have have very very little knowledge about what this game is about, so um, I'm I'm uh, I'll, I'll get into it at some point, but I I, I can't really speak a lot to it. Um. Yeah. Does does the name Auto Chess make sense? Because that's what that's what the original Dota two mod is called. Yeah, right? the
1: Dota two mod is called Auto Chess. It makes a lot of sense to me since, but you know, since you are pulling. It makes a lot of sense to me because you are, you are pulling, you know, pieces from the game and they have certain moves and you're making a kind of team out of them. And then they, and then you're placing them on the map. I don't know. I like it in that way, but, uh, I'm sure if I was like a big chess freak or something like that, uh, it would be, it would be different. Who knows?
0: Yeah, no, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the way it goes, I guess. Um... Yeah, well, have you been doing anything else besides... uh, Oh, so the
1: other big thing I wanted to talk about is the new release of uh, WoW content has come out, which is um, the... Uh, not Tides of Vengeance it's the 8.1 patch whatever it's the Ashara patch it's the patch where you go fight like the fucking Naga this patch has been longly awaited uh, by the community because you know everybody hates BFA and there is this notion that 8.2 is going to fix a lot of these problems we've kind of talked about this in like the YouTuber space and it has followed through uh, to a certain extent but we actually have the patch and we have the the game systems at our disposal. And I do have to say that even though I am pretty confident in saying, like, no, BFA is a pretty good expansion. You guys are complaining for no reason. If their complaints did result in this patch getting better and bigger and solving problems, uh, it did very successfully get better and bigger and solve those problems. Um, so, you know kudos to the designers for kind of like making the uh to kind of like making the bar i guess i would call that uh one of the interesting things about the patch is that so the patch comes out on tuesday right two days later blizzard announces a uh a shop mount promotion right where if you have a six month sub to the game you get a uh a shop mount which is normally about 25 bucks right they did this a couple of months ago, right after the release of BFA. If you if you got a six month sub, you got this, you know, you got this mount, and otherwise you can get that mount in the shop. And the community lost its fucking mind. And I've been very hard on the WoW community, and I don't want to be super hard on them, but I'm about to be. It was really funny because this seemed like the craziest time for folks in the wow community to get pissed off at blizzard uh by most accounts 8.2 has been a really satisfying experience right it has given people things to kind of look forward to to grind for um it released with a ton of optional and kind of like additional content one of the big complaints about the game is like there's nothing to do and so adding Nazjatar with, you know, not just, like, the typical stuff that you would see in a WoW uh, content patch, like, oh, a new rep to grind, new whatever, right? But, like, mounts to get by farming certain drops out of, you know, this thing or that thing, and there's a new dungeon that came with the patch, and there's a new raid that's opening up next week, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera. Uh, So the interesting thing is that the shop mount came out, and everybody lost their collective minds. And the number one response from kind of, not pro shop mount, but kind of like anti-complainers, I guess I would say, was that like, what are these people complaining about? Because in the 8.2 content patch, Blizzard released 30 new mounts that you could only earn in-game, right? And I think that this this highlights an interesting kind of, sort of like, the two sides of the argument, right? On one side, you have the, the people who are pissed off, and they're principle was essentially any shop mount in a game where you're paying a $15 a month sub is bullshit and it should be categorically opposed right you are paying your money into the game it is unacceptable for blizzard to ask for microtransaction-esque charges on top of that and anything that looks vaguely like this needs to be, you know, like, needs to be fundamentally opposed. There's a little bit of, like, a slippery slope argument in that, which is to say that, like, it will get worse in the in the future if you show Blizzard that you are willing to buy into the shop mount. It will only encourage them to do this more often and more predatorily, predatorially. Um, so that argument is one of, like, principle, right? Microtransaction in a sub-based MMO, bad, right? Uh The response to that argument being essentially well look if you if you compare rates right we just got 30 mounts that can only be you know earned through in game kind of experience or whatever the case may be right like currency toys stuff all of this rare drops whatever so blizzard is very clearly making content for people to earn solely through the in-game experience and that a rate of 30 in-game mounts to one shop mount is a pretty fair rate for a a subscription-based service like You know, uh, like World of Warcraft. Like, yes, sure, maybe you could have an exploitative version of this where Blizzard is releasing 30 shop mounts and one in-game mount, and that would be unacceptable. But we are not in a place where the the ratio between the two is unacceptable, which is essentially an argument of scale, right? This would be a problem at a higher degree, and if you take that into account, it's not. Um, do you have any thoughts about, like, this sort of thing? We talked about this a little bit in some of, like, the Facebook chats, but I just wanted to bring it up on
0: the cast so I can yeah. put you on the fucking so, record. So there's part of me that, that wants to agree with the people that's, like, any cash shop is BS. Um, there's part of me that also thinks that, like, like, the danger isn't just quantity, right? Like, you know, there's a version of this where Blizzard releases 30 plain horses, um, into the game that's earnable, and one super shiny nice dragon mount into the um, into their shop um, and that's the only way to get the nice mount, um, which also isn't the case. Um, I think part of me really wants to kind of engage in this you know, I don't necessarily agree with the people who are like hardcore no mount shops but I think they need to exist and they need to shout because they're not loud enough to get Blizzard to stop doing it at all. Like, they Basically, by them getting mad every time they do any cash shop mount, it, it keeps Blizzard in check and keeps them from being really bad right i feel like if if everybody's quiet then they keep pushing the envelope this keeps them from pushing it too far which is like a weird stochastic argument um but i that's that's kind of like this is is kind of like equivalent to like pushing the overton window i guess right like you know you yell at you yell at the thing not so that you accomplish your goals but so that you keep the the range of acceptable things outside of what you think is the worst, which is kind of like all cash out. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, that applies to more than just the mounts, right? Like, in a certain
1: sense, that's almost the argument that I was making at the the top of this section, where right, like, listen, I think that these people are mistaken. I think Legion was a strong expansion, and BFA is basically just Legion. So, if you liked Legion, you should like BFA, and that the the things that people are complaining about are overblown or whatever else, right? But like, it's pretty tough to say that like correlation doesn't equal causation when after everybody gets really fucking pissed at Blizzard for fucking up the launch in the first content patch of BFA right they come out with a content patch that is really strong and good right i would say that a lot of those people were kind of down on the 8.0 and 8.1 content and that the stuff that they're talking about when they talk about coming back to the game in 8.2 it's kind of been around for a while like you know like there's been stuff to do in this game this whole fucking time you've just been kind of lame and idiotic about it right which is a tough thing to say but kind of like whatever right but there is a measurable impact which is if we got the best content patch ever maybe i shouldn't be so hard on the malcontents because the malcontents gave us the best content patch ever kind of thing
0: um, uh, it, well, I, I think on the other side of that, you need you need you and the apologists to keep doing what you're doing. That way, they don't push the window too far. Yeah, right? yeah, maybe that's true. Because right, I also like,
1: I, I do feel that side of things, um, you know, because I've seen you know I've seen people tweet out about like the demoralization that comes with working on a team that's getting like harangued or whatever, right? Like this is something that. Uh, a Warcraft, dev, maybe a Hearthstone dev tweeted this out. I think it was a Hearthstone dev last year, and they t- they tweeted this out. They're just like, "How like do you think that we're gonna put in our best every day when we show up to work? When like we all know that you hate us, kind of thing." That that was the, I'm not quoting directly, but that was the spirit of it, right? Which I do think is fair. If people are, if the development team is getting harangued for putting out bad content there is a reasonable argument that they are not going to feel better about th- putting out good content they're going to be depressed and they're going to be you know uh they're going to be down on themselves and their own abilities and i do think that that can have you know really negative effects um which is, which is sort of shitty. So, I don't know. Maybe, it's like, maybe, maybe this is like a, a, a moderation kind of thing, right? Like, yeah, know, right? Like,
0: yeah. I, I do not have confidence that if people kept being mad that the next patch would also be spin, spectacular. Especially if this patch, if this, like, if you can honestly assess your work and be like, we fell short a couple places and we can do better, that's fine. But if, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take you at your word, right? This patch is good. Right. If this patch is good and people are still hating on it, then there's no motivation to, to you know it's like, well, if we make it good, it's the people still hate it, so who yeah. gives a shit? Well right? this is part of the, yeah, I mean this is
1: part of why the content creator thing that we talked about last week was on my mind, right? Because you got all these content creators who are like, Oh wow, this this looks great. This is what this is what we wanted. And you have people in their audience going like Boo, fuck you, we just want you to shit on Wow, right? And it's like Wow. Okay. Right. Like, so you don't actually care about the quality of this thing.
0: Yeah. You just I mean, want I, me to like? I, I, I feel like content creator audiences are also like a different beast, right? Like, you know, you know, it, this is an argument that gets used in, in a bunch of different places in a bunch of different ways, but like, I'm not totally convinced that content creator audiences are necessarily playing WoW, right? Like, some of them might just be looking for justification for why they stopped playing WoW because it's a shitty game, right? And they want to like. Like they want to be justified in their opinion, even though you don't really, you know, you could do whatever the fuck you want, right? No, I mean that's um, really
1: common on the Wow subreddit. Like, yeah, it's something that people. I mean, it's like really to... common
0: in life, right? Like people yeah, look yeah, valid... yeah. This is why you get backlash against people who have like contrary opinions on movies and. This is why IGN gets a bunch of abuse every time they give like an eight point or like a nine point to a game that people think deserves a ten, right? Like yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um... Um, yeah, it's funny how much you will see people talk about how they unsubbed from wow on the wow subreddit and it always like you know somebody will say something shitty about wow and the top comment will be this is why i unsubbed and then the next comment will be if you're unsubbed why are you commenting on the wow subreddit right and it'll just be a clusterfuck from then on right like that kind of a thing Um, yeah
0: i mean i I think there's also a kind of like squeaky wheel um issue here right like like the people who are enjoying the game probably aren't going on the forums to be like this is the greatest right like um, I mean, sometimes they are, but I feel like that's less than the hater. The I mean, I, I do
1: have to say, I want to give a shout-out. I'm super tough on the WoW subreddit, but I want to give a quick shout-out because something that happened on the WoW subreddit, and it was, a, it was a little bit of a meme, but it was also, like, it was a meme that turned nasty pretty quick. There was a quest that came out that just had, like, bad grammar, right? And if commas in bad places, capitalization was, you know, it used the wrong version of its or whatever. Um, and... uh and the Wow subreddit like graded it like a paper, and it was like F. See me after class or something like that. <laughs> ha ha ha! Funny meme. But then you got into the comments, and people were getting really nasty about it, right? Like they were like, you know, this is this just shows how little Blizzard f- cares about their own game. You know, all this other kind of all this other kind of stuff. And Blizzard, to their credit, the next day hot fixed the pa- hot, hot fixed the quest with like the grammar updates, so that it was you know grammatically correct and that <laughs> got to the top of the wow subreddit like good job a plus <laughs> and i do, and i think if that if that had happened even six months ago right like if that had happened last year if that had happened six months ago uh it might have not like the fix probably wouldn't have gotten that far i don't think people would have been willing to give you know to give the designers uh to give the designers some credit it's funny it's funny because like Part of being the person who has been up on WoW news for a while and people are, have left and are kind of coming back to the game is that, like, things that I have seen talked about are not things that people are, like, caring about. The, the, the thing on the top of my mind when it comes to this is um, in a recent dev Q&A... Uh, in a recent, well actually it wasn't a Q&A in fact this is actually a good example of what we were talking about it was like a dev insight right where Ian just like got in front of the camera and started talking about new stuff for the game and one of the things he said he was like we went a little bit too far in pruning abilities down and so we want to bring abilities and class identity back for people or whatever and this is actually something that Ian has talked about a bunch of times over the course of BFA's lifetime but for some reason that was a huge moment for people where they were like Blizzard finally admits they fucked up with pruning and it's just like if you had been paying attention right like if you had been around you would know that like this has been on blizzard's mind for a long time i mean it was on blizzard's mind going from legion into bfa right it's why we got battle shout and power word fortitude and arcane intellect back um so it's that's you know it's that's part of like the tough the tough aspect to all of this is like the misinformation that comes from people very legitimately, right, like I would never tell someone who isn't enjoying the game to be sub to it, right, but like the opinions that that person has are also less informed, but like they are just as vocal about them, and so that's kind of like a tough needle to thread
0: yeah no i did. that's that that's the way it goes right like you you can't you can't do any uh but I will say, something that I do <laughs> think is a that? very good
1: example of what, you, what you've what you been talking about is that WoW has stopped doing Q&As. I don't think that they're doing any more DevStream Q&As. It is because people just shat on the Q&As the whole time. Because pe- the, the the common thing about the Q&As is that Ian only ever takes softball questions, and he never answers the question the community really wants to answer, which sometimes I think is true um, in the sense that like th- there would be big – controversies or big pieces of feedback and he would be mum on that kind of stuff um uh but a lot of the time i think is false just because i don't think he really takes softball questions and i think he has you know sometimes he has bad answers sometimes he has good answers kind of thing right but i think that those dev q a's just got, got so much backlash that they just don't do them anymore right they'll put out a video before the new patch it's like hey listen this is all the new shit that's coming in the new patch but we used to be able to look you know once every two weeks Lore would sit down with Ian and they would talk about what's coming, you know, like what's coming ne- what next, what's being worked on, etc. Um, and that's gone away. And I feel like it's gone away because people are shitty naysayers, I guess. Is that what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. I'm sorry, people who hate WoW. I hope you still love me, even after I just like drag you for 20 minutes on my podcast that no one listens to.
0: No, well. <laughs> What are you going to do? What are you going to
1: do? That's it. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, what else? Is there anything else we wanted to talk about?
0: I don't, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's <laughs> it for this week, I guess. Um, if you'd like to write in and tell us what you think about World of Warcraft or Spider-Man Far From Home or any of the other things we talked about on this podcast or send us pictures of Spider-Man, uh, you can email us at com or games at com. You can watch us at twitch.tv slash Play Game. Maybe we'll stream some League of Legends at some point. Um, uh, I think that's... Oh, rate us and review us on iTunes, please, or wherever podcasts are, um, SoundCloud. Send in your questions. This is episode 193. We no, need questions for episode we 200. We need
1: questions for two, episode 200. Please send us questions. We'll answer send, anything.
0: Yes. <laughs> if you, if, for those of you who do not know... uh, For episode 100, we spent five hours answering questions. (laughs) Um, It was amazing. Yeah, I can't say that I want to repeat it, but I'm willing to. Um, So so send in your questions. Um, Buddy, did you have something you wanted to promote? I think you did this week, right? I do
1: have something that I want to promote, uh, which is that in two weeks, a little bit more than that, on Thursday, July 18th, I will be streaming a new puzzle game that is coming out. It is called Etherborn. I have never seen Etherborn before. It's being developed by a friend of the my current jobs studio. Uh, so I'll be streaming that for several hours. Uh, I'll be streaming at twitch.tv slash games That is A-K-U-P-A-R-A games. So that's the thing I want to plug. I'm very excited. I hope you all come make fun of me as I completely do not understand how to get
0: the obvious solutions to these puzzles. Yeah, if, if, if I remember, I'll set I'll set the uh, our Twitch to to host it because why not? Sounds uh, good for all for all the people who watch Derps <laughs> Play Games Twitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Honestly, I, uh, I I
1: probably should s- s- stream to some Derps Play Games just to get my stream setup correct. So. Hypothetically in the next two weeks I'll stream to some Derbs Play games. I'll make yeah. that commitment. <laughs>
0: um I think I think yours and uh, Arahe, or your, your your wife's stream are both auto hosted by some Derbs Play games, so beautiful. Uh, uh so you know, do do whatever you need. Um Uh I guess that's it then. Uh until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.